Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Henry, leave it to 2020. Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. But leave it to 2020, where we're at Thanksgiving, and the Patriots are cooked, done, buried. And we actually knew this a couple weeks ago, right? And they just had to go and beat the Ravens and give us some false hope. And all of a sudden, we're all like, so you're telling me there's a chance? Like that Dumb and Dumber line, right? So you're telling me there's a chance? No, there was never a chance. It's just not a playoff football team that the Patriots have. And you knew it last week. You said it. I agreed with you. Something smelled about this matchup with the Texans. And I think the most comfortable guy in the entire stadium was Deshaun Watson. He just sliced and diced the Pats all day long. The Patriots lose to the Texans, and I think now we can finally say, okay, we can just enjoy our turkey stuffing and whatever the hell you're eating on Thanksgiving and and just get on with our lives and just erase the Patriots, please, from any playoff pitchers. I I don't want to hear the Patriots are in the hunt. We got to move on now, Henry. So now that's where we're at, right? We got to move on to the next thing. Yeah, I love it. I love how we open every podcast because like just... (laughs) Like this, your state of of how you feel about this season is always so like indicative of I think what the fan base is thinking. It just cracks me up. But yes, it is time to bury the Patriots season. And like you mentioned, there was there was always reason for doubt. I think there were a few moments of optimism, obviously through the first four weeks, and then even after the Ravens win, where where we were like kind of wondering was this a fluke? Was this not? But it, it was. It was a fluke, on, unfortunately, for New England. And I think the weather honestly had a lot to do with the way that the Patriots won. So it's time to start thinking about 2021. I'm I'm literally writing a uh, or creating a, a gallery of you know where the Patriots pick in the first round of the NFL draft. There so it is. There it is. That's kind of where we're at. I like um, it. I just want to eat my stuffing and eat my cranberry sauce and all that crap and just uh, now I can get on with my life and this is what I can focus on now going forward. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think I think the discussion now shifts and you've been writing about this and tweeting about it and I'm glad you have been because I think this is the number one storyline now. We got to discuss the future at quarterback, right? We got to figure out if Cam Newton is going to be their guy, if they're going to try to sign him to another bridge deal where he's you know, on a short year kind of contract where he's going to try to bridge some more time for the Patriots to figure that thing out? Or are they going to give him some big contract which makes him the guy? And I, I just, it's funny, like back in week two where, you know, Patriots fans are so excited, sign Cam Newton, give him his money, like, let's go, we love him. And I love him too. But I think as we go, it's becoming more and more clear that there is no clear-cut answer here on whether Cam Newton should be the future. I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. I think the team is still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out how healthy Cam is. And as much as I love him as a person and post-game and the outfits and all the thing, I think he's a great leader. I've really enjoyed rooting for him more than I thought I would. You know, whatever quarterback was going to replace Tom Brady, since I'm such a Tom Brady bobo, Henry, I thought I was just going to hate it. And I was just going to watch the Bucs. And I was like very upset about the whole Brady situation, but I've actually really, really enjoyed watching Cam Newton and rooting for him this year. But there's so much uncertainty there, right? And now I'm at the point now where, yes, we're on the 2021. And do we keep putting Cam Newton out there and seeing what that is and keep working this new offense? Or do we get a look at Jared Stidham at some point? Like, I think these are questions now that we've got to start talking about. I don't think Stidham's the answer at this point. He's just been bad. Like, in every way that we've seen him, he's been bad. So you think we're moving on from Stidham at this point, Henry? uh, It feels that way. 
They could give him another training camp. Um, this is like the Patriots after the Ravens game, right? Like half buried, but not quite. He's still got half his body sticking out of the grave, and we're not yeah, ready to bury Stidham quite yet. buried. I mean, the fact that he's like been unable to compete in any way. You know, Newton got benched for a game. Newton had dealt with COVID, and Brian Hoyer got benched. And, like, Stidham's had his chances to be a contributor and even to be a starter, and he has not seized any of them, not even – going back to training camp. So there was a time where I kind of flirted with the idea, like, especially when they were, what, two and five, I think. I was like, it's time. Just, like, see what Stidham does for a few weeks. And if you need to go back to Newton, you can. But it's time to, like, embrace losing a little bit more, get a better evaluation of both quarterbacks. And then you make you know, a more educated decision in 2021. Now I'm kind of like of the mind that if Stidham couldn't emerge in any meaningful way at this point, then he's not emerging next year. So I think they continue to see what Cam Newton can do and then they have to wait until free agency to see what kind of market Cam Newton gets because there's a chance that there are really no interested teams. Washington could be interested, but I think that's probably the only real match for him. So if they're not, then what? Then it's really just the Patriots who might have interest, and then Newton doesn't have much in the way of leverage for contract negotiations. So if that came to be where the Patriots really kind of like state what they want to pay him then i could see you know a two-year deal coming together where he's a bridge for whoever you know is next and then if you have a bridge then you can pick a quarterback in the first three rounds rather than the first round even though i think they should take one in the first belichick doesn't like feeling pressured to take a specific position he likes to take best player available so yes in that case he could kind of move around a little bit and have flexibility to pick a guy in any of those top what 96 spots so i think that's kind of like the multi-step plan that they're going to kind of walk through over the next few months let's pick this conversation up on the other side we'll be right back fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks, and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged 6 targets in the last 
three games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the last six games against tight ends and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky, but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. It is so interesting, Henry, this conversation as we continue it. I agree with you 100%. It's going to come down to Newton's market, which could just be the Patriots, right? So I, I understand. I agree with you 100%. If the Patriots get a chance to set the market on Cam, he's got a good chance to stay, right? And I think it's actually been kind of a, besides the record, and besides the fact that we're at Thanksgiving and the Patriots are toast, it's been kind of a good fit, I feel like. I feel like the team has really, they've really taken to Cam Newton. He's been a good leader. I've enjoyed his pressers and all that thing. It's like, I don't know. I, I like like Cam Newton, I, I have nothing bad to say about him, but on the field, there is some frustrations, right? I mean, when defenses send pressure, Cam gets a little nutty out there, and I think Romeo Cornell, you were right again, Henry. You're all over this stuff. You were right again. Nostradamus. I gotta, tell, I gotta give you credit again. You were all over it. You were worried about Romeo Cornell, and Cornell was sending all these blitzers and dropping guys into the right spots and taking away what Cam Newton, want, where he wanted to go with the ball, and oh man, they, they gave him all kinds of problems in that game. The screen game has just been terrible, and that's just been a, that's been a huge staple of the Patriots offense for years the quick screens and we just Cam just can't seem to get that thing going you look at his stats and they're not bad and and I saw you wrote about his down the field passing not bad at all no his numbers are good but it's like the little things right the little things that aren't quite tight enough right now and then when we're getting into these situations where you're always playing a close game you need to rely on a late drive to either tie or win the game like we saw again on Sunday we've seen that what like four times now this year for the Patriots these little things come back to get you right and they end up costing you that drive and then ultimately costing you the game so do we want to go through another two years of that with Cam Newton I think that's the most interesting question here as much as we love him do we want more of this it's all about price it's all about deciding how much you want to pay for him because that's how Belichick's got to be looking at it yeah, because we're seeing this year that Newton's playing well. Statistically speaking, over the last four weeks, there are advanced stats that show he's what a, the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. So if for the last four weeks they're 2-2 two and two, and he's the 10th best quarterback in the NFL, then what does that mean for you as a team trying to build around that quarterback? And he's making $1 million this year. Now, all of those things can't all be held sort of equal because – Tom Brady is still, you know, his dead money is still on the cap. Antonio Brown's dead money is still on the cap. And the Patriots have a ton of cap space because of opt-outs. So it's not as simple as saying Cam Newton's only making a million. So this is like the best his supporting cast can be. We know that's totally not true. We know that the Patriots can actually, this is like the worst it could be. (laughs) The idea is that if they pay him more, that they will have a harder time upgrading the supporting cast around him. So, and, and the defense is really the biggest point of blame for this season. They're 32nd overall in DVOA. It's an advanced statistic that measures sort of overall efficiency. So we've got a bad defense, we've got a bad supporting cast, and we still have an efficient Cam Newton. So you have to wonder, okay, if you pay Newton $20 million a year, which is a lot, which is, sounds like a lot of money, but it's actually not that much for a starting quarterback. If you pay him $20 million a year for two years, what can you put around him that's going to make this team look different 
in 2021. And that's kind of like the cap math, the drafting strategy that you have to do to just decide if that's what's right. And the sort of easy decision for people is like, oh, you know, draft a quarterback, let Cam walk, then use some of the money that they have in cap space, and they have a lot, to bring in a good receiver, bring in a good tight end, and then start to sign up an experienced linebacker who will help with that interior. Maybe in the second round, you draft a defensive end, try and help shore up that edge presence. And it all sounds good, right? But it's definitely a rebuild if you're going with a, with a rookie quarterback. And Belichick's at the end of his career. So you have to wonder if he likes what Cam Newton's bringing this year and thinks he can kind of like stopgap it so that Newton helps bring this sort of era into the next quarterback, maybe even the next quarterback and the next coach. And in the meantime, Belichick can like enjoy a little success with Newton and maybe, you know, an upgraded arsenal on both sides of the ball. I mean, it's it's the question that the Patriots like haven't had to deal with in two decades. It's like, how do you build around a quarterback in the modern salary cap era. Brady made it pretty easy on them because he would take pay cuts and he would do what he could to alleviate his cap presence. And he would elevate the play of those around him for the most part. Over the last few years, it became sort of diminishing in that respect. But it will be so interesting. And because we've never seen Bill Belichick do it, we don't actually know what his strategy might be. Hmm. We saw him this year get a veteran and and retain a, a young player who he drafted. Will it be the same next year, but different? Different quarterback, different veteran, different rookie. I don't know. Just is such an interesting, even though they're not that relevant from a regular season standpoint, it is very interesting from a team building standpoint. Oh, no, it totally is. And, you know, we've seen Belichick use a high draft pick on Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, if you can hit a home run on a quarterback, Henry, in those even if it is in the first round, you're going to get them on a good contract for the first four or five years, right? So actually, like, fiscally, it makes sense, but it's so hard to hit a home run on those on those kind of players, right? You just you draft a quarterback in that first round, and as we've seen, as you go down the list, and look at the Denver Broncos. That's that's a good one to look at, right? I mean, they've been trying to do that for the last decade, I think. What, whenever Peyton Manning retired, they've been trying to do that thing every single year, it seems like. It's just so hard. It's just so hard to hit. So that is interesting. Is Belichick going to bring in the next guy? Could next year, could we have like Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback for the Patriots with some other rookie quarterback behind him? Like, who the hell knows, right? It is it is such a fascinating thing. Uh, but you've actually written a little bit about and and I think you're kind of you're kind of needling Patriots fans a little bit, and that's why I appreciate it, Henry. You're you're talking a bit of you're kind of comparing Newton and Brady and being like, hey guys, look, like look what Newton's doing. And I think that's a cool way to to kind of frame the argument. But Newton is throwing it pretty well when he's getting the opportunities to put it down the field a little bit. But the Patriots really haven't been super aggressive offensively, right? So what do you think about the game plan right now, and especially what we saw against the Texans? Like, are they being aggressive enough? Why aren't they? And if they're not going to like chuck it down the field, then why aren't they running it? more with Newton, right? Like, you look at the game plan, you're kind of like scratching your head almost. You're like, it seems like the offense, week to week, is still trying to figure out what they do well and and what the identity is. It it seems to change almost weekly. Yeah. Interesting is a generous way of saying it. I mean, I would say it borders on idiotic. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is calling way too conservative of games. I think we saw that Newton was at his worst when he was coming back from COVID and when he felt like he was what he, his word was 
quote, pressing it, right? He felt like he had to put the team on his back, that he had to do what he did against the Seattle Seahawks, where he throws for 400 yards, he rushes for a few touchdowns. He's just doing everything to help the Patriots win. And Josh McDaniels was like, no, what happens when you do that is you turn over the ball, and then we can't win. So McDaniels has scaled back the offense considerably to keep Newton from harming the Patriots. And the result has been that he's been an extremely efficient quarterback. But my argument for these last few weeks has been like, okay, Newton's proven that he can work sort of within your structure, your like overly disciplined system. But the results have not been good enough. It's two and they're two and two. And now they're out of the playoffs. So first of all, it's too little too late for them to make this adjustment, honestly, because they're not going to get back into the playoff hunt. But thank you. <laughs> you have to if there are indeed going to start evaluating Newton for 2021, then they really need to start pushing or rather allowing him to show what he can do rather than like tell him what he can't do and call plays that limit what he can. So I think throwing the ball downfield more often and making the screen game a less cent- a central point Man, of the offense. That is painful, Henry. Oh, my God. It's like hard yeah, to watch. It is. And I, I mean, I, I, yeah, running the ball on third and long, it was successful for a little while. But it it's a successful play because defenses don't see it coming. When you start to show that you're a running team on third down and long, then they just wise up to it and they start stopping it. So all this conservatism, it ha- it needed an expiration date, and that should have been last week against the Texans, especially when Deshaun Watson was falling out and the Patriots were falling into a two-touchdown hole. That was when the Patriots should have been like, okay, we really need to let Cam cook. Exactly, like, exactly. And, a conservative game plan works better when your defense is shutting it down, but when they're not shutting right. it down, right, like you gotta, yeah. you got to shift. Yeah, and so, you we saw him hit that long touchdown pass to Demir Bird. We should have seen more chunk plays like that. Obviously, you know, those are like for this Patriots offense, those kinds of plays are like once in a game, once every few games, but maybe more 25 yard plays, maybe things that pick up really big chunks yardage. That's what we need to see more of. And we should have seen more of over these last four weeks. So this is where we're at. We got to talk about storylines just like this one about the future of the Patriots. This is what we're going to dig in on. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Cardinals. I want to talk a little bit about Turkey Day as well with Henry and see what he thinks about some storylines going on in the NFL. But all right, when we come back, I want to ask Henry a little bit about Turkey Day and people that are mad about having to watch more NFC East football. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and BetSlipin Podcast. I'm Eston McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 money line favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the money line, plus five point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, 
Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in, or if they don't win this game, and I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51 and a half, minus 106 odds, so a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51 and a half odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSylvan Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Henry, I wanted to ask you what you thought about Thanksgiving football and the tradition there, the longstanding tradition, right? I, this definitely predating our existence, you and I, on this planet. They, you know, the Lions have been playing football in the early window, and the Cowboys have been playing football in that later window on Thanksgiving. And every now and then you get a season like this where uh, both teams kind of suck, right? And, and the matchups aren't good eaten on Thanksgiving, if you will. Excuse the pun there, but I actually am kind of into the NFC East storyline thing. All those teams having three wins, I think is kind of hilarious. And I've been all about that storyline. So I'm interested to watch that Cowboys-Washington game. But I am hearing rumblings. I'm seeing some articles popping up about people saying that the NFL should come in and tinker with these games and flex games from Sunday over to Thanksgiving if, if we have a situation like we do this year where the games aren't super appealing maybe to a, a wider audience. What do you think about that? Do you think the NFL should think about tinkering or do you think that is like a lame, lame argument? I, I like the idea. I, I think, look, some people don't even tune into football unless it's Thanksgiving. And I, I'm i one of those people who would be happy just sitting down on the couch watching every game for Thanksgiving. But, you know, I've planned a huge meal. I'm cooking like all day, basically. Or I should say that my my like my fiance is <laughs> good good but for you, no Henry. i mean i'm gonna be don't want you get in I'm trouble co-chefing with her and and I, I like feel good about that because i'm like well i'm really not gonna be missing much in the in the way of good football i did look at that nfc matchup like you did and i was kind of like uh you know at least there's something at stake here like a bad football of, yeah. teams a little bit of meat on the bone a, a little bit yeah bad teams but it's probably gonna be a close game you just have to like hope that it's not awful football because with the nfc east it could be like a close game but it could be just so unwatchable that you're like wow uh just ready to go back to cooking kind of thing come on what could be better than the red rocket andy dalton on thanksgiving i mean come on this is so good it's so good come on just gotta gotta embrace it gotta embrace it so i think so what what are you looking at pats cardinals henry uh what what's your what's your what are you most interested in with this game for the pats i think i think one thing that regardless of like what's at stake this season anymore what what i'm curious to see is stefan gilmore matchup against deandre hopkins that that's a matchup that should be fun stefan gilmore had uh for the most part a good day against brandon cooks last week and i think you know this this matchup has been pretty fun through the years when hopkins played for the texans that gilmore would always get him i, I like watching those two players go against each other and then i mean we talk i don't want to overstress this point but we talked about how cam newton is is in like the he's in the evaluation phase of for the Patriots, where they're deciding. So, he, I mean, just con- seeing how he continues to progress and how the Patriots continue to use him and whether they think they might keep him. So 
those are kind of the two things that I, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on from a storyline standpoint. Yeah, no, no doubt. Those are good ones. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see like what, how the team looks just like, just like watching the players and their reactions out there and the coaches, like that was a demoralizing loss to the Texans, right? You I mean, you win that game, you're five and five and you're kind of right back in it. And I would even have to have admitted, Henry, this could have been a different podcast. I could have been like, all right, like you're back in it like okay okay you're five and five and like you got something going thanks to that win over the Ravens but that was really demoralizing I mean that Texans team has only beaten the Jaguars and you as the Patriots so that one that one hurt there's no doubt about it last weekend definitely hurt and like you said we've never been in this spot we've never had a a football game this meaningless in New England in a long time they're underdogs at home again the back-to-back home games they're underdogs that's weird we're not used to this we're not used to being in this spot I want to see how Bill Belichick and the players and and how it looks and how they carry themselves and and how hard they really play and how you know that whole thing I'll definitely be watching the game against Arizona just not on pins and needles so I promise you Henry I will not be as crispy and salty next week week no matter whether they win or they lose i'm not going to be as upset as i usually am i'm going to just take a deep breath and my wife's super into yoga I'll, maybe i'll have her teach me a little little sun salutation or whatever that is you know little just calm myself down because i'm not going to freak out about the playoffs because i know now the playoffs are over but uh, i just want to say man uh we're 13 weeks into our podcast we've made it to thanksgiving and uh, i appreciate you jumping on with me every week it's been a lot of fun i've learned a lot i think you uh you do great work over at the patriots wire for sure and uh, i just want to say for you your fiance and whoever else you're cook it for uh happy thanksgiving my man yeah thank you and likewise to you and thank you to all the listeners out there Uh, i hope that they also have a, a really nice thanksgiving stay safe eat a lot of food hang out with your loved ones be smart and thanks for listening to the patriots wire podcast we'll talk to you all next week This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.